Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 24, a great text, talks about how we are new creations in Christ. We have an old self, we have a new self. We are to reject the old self and to embrace the new self. It's been a while, so to bring you back up to speed, chapters 1 through 3, who we are, our identity, before we talk about the practical application, who we are in Christ, how we live by grace, then flows through in that practical application section of living out our identity in chapters 4, 5, and 6. We talked in the beginning of chapter 4 about the worthy walk, how to walk worthy of the calling that we've been called to, how God has called us to walk in spiritual maturity, and some of you in here are really desiring to grow in your faith. You want to know what does spiritual maturity look like? Great text for us today to walk through what does it look like to be a spiritually mature Christian. And it talked about the mission of the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So now we move into 17 through 24, a smaller section of scripture. But we're gonna look at this section of scripture and we're gonna look at the main idea being renewed thinking for renewed living. I'll give you that again in a minute. First, I want us to read our text. As we read our text, I want you to zoom in and focus on how renewed thinking for renewed living is in our text because this text, which talks about the old self and the new self, talks about our thinking so many different ways and so many different times in this text. If we genuinely want to live the life of a believer, a mature Christian follower of Christ, we do it by grace through the power of the Spirit, but it affects our thinking, how we think about our lives. Ephesians chapter four. Stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word, if you would. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Dear Lord, we pray today that you would help us to renew our thinking, to be wise as we walk through this life, to honor and glorify you by living in relationship to our identity in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, and you may be seated. The main idea for our text this morning is renewed thinking for renewed living. Renewed thinking for renewed living. Now I'll draw your attention back to some of those words. It talks about the futility of the mind in verse 17, the darkness of understanding in verse 18, the ignorance that is in them in verse 18. And then we see in verse 20, you have not learned Christ this way. You have learned Christ in a different way. And verse 21, that you have heard about him and were taught him, both things that require our minds to listen and think and to be taught. And you are told then to renew the spirit of your minds. It's all about our thinking. 
It's all about how we look at and how we think about things. And we get it. Your trajectory of life follows your thinking. What you genuinely believe affects how you act. Think about walking up to a hot stove. If you walk up to a hot stove and you genuinely don't believe it's hot, you might put your hand on it. But if you really believe it's hot, and if you have learned as a child, it took me a couple of times sticking my hand on hot stoves to learn that they're hot, then you don't want to get near the hot stove. And if one of your children or one of your friends is getting near a hot stove, you start getting nervous and you're like, no, 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 back away. Don't do that. My wife's scared of heights. If our kids get to the point where they can look over a cliff or look close to it, they don't have to be at the edge, no danger of falling, but they can just see the edge. She starts getting nervous. I can watch the panic attack begin to set in and she's like, come back from the edge, don't fall off. She really believes heights are dangerous. I do too, but I like to look like right over the edge. What you believe affects how you live. What do you do when you smell sour milk? drink it? No, because you believe. It's awful. It smells bad. It's not going to taste good. If you genuinely believe something, it affects how you live. So our text today is talking about don't live in your old self like the Gentiles in the former way of life where you're just going through life and you're kind of passively, aimlessly wandering around, not thinking, going with the crowd. As you go with the crowd, you just do whatever feels good or whatever happens. Our world even has different sayings for this, like YOLO, you only live once. Don't worry, be happy, live it up. As you do all of that, then it creates this darkness in your understanding. It creates this hardness in your heart. Your conscience then becomes callous. You're not ashamed, you're not convicted. As you're not ashamed and you're not convicted, then you become greedy. You want more of that and you pursue those worldly pleasures and those passions. And what our text is saying is you have not been taught that way. You have learned Christ. You are different. Your mind should think differently. And then we reject that old self and we embrace that new self and we renew our minds daily so that we think like believers in Christ. And that's what it means to be spiritually mature. We're not wandering aimlessly through this life. We have renewed thinking for renewed living. Our first point, talk about the old self, verses 17 through 19. The old self. It says to us in our text here, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Not as you once walked. Not as you walked before you were saved. Not as you walked when you were just wandering through with your identity in Adam, not with your identity in Christ, and living life really without an eternal purpose or an eternal significance, you were just here. You don't do that. In verse 17, it talks about our aimless thinking, the futility of their minds. It's an empty life. The Old Testament, written in Hebrew, translated into Greek in what's called the Septuagint, the LXX, you'll see it referenced sometimes. The book of Ecclesiastes, which we know talks about the vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It's the vapor. It's the wind. It's fleeting. That word vanity, 39 times in the Septuagint, in the Greek translations, the same word we have here for the futility of the minds. So you get the picture here. What is the futility of the mind? It's vanity of vanities. It's just going along with the crowd. It's aimless, pointless, wonderless thinking. And it says here, don't walk in that way anymore. So what does it mean to be a mature follower of Christ? We don't have aimless, pointless thinking. 
We don't live life thinking the best thing we can possibly do is get our gamer score on Xbox higher and higher and higher. We don't live life living in a non-real world, in a virtual world, because we realize there are real people that are in danger of going to heaven or hell. And we have eternal things that we need to be about. It also talks about our darkness of understanding. Look at what it says here in verse 18. That futility of the minds, they are darkened then in their understanding. And that darkened understanding leads to an alienation from the life of God. They just don't even think about having a life of God. Our understanding has been darkened because of the fall and our sin and our separation from our creator. And this leads to an alienation that leads to an ignorance inside of us. Now notice here that it says the ignorance is in them. So there is no excuse. You can't say, well, if something outside of me had changed, I would have been more for God. I would have lived more for God. It says that it's the ignorance in them due to their hardness of hearts. So here we see the aimless thinking. The aimless thinking leads to a darkness of understanding. The darkness of understanding leads to a hardness of heart, alienated from God, separated from God. And this hardness of heart is a blindness. It's a stubbornness. It's a willful rejection of the truth. So you have pointless thinking. And then you have a darkness of understanding. So it's like wandering around in the middle of the night. It's dark. You can't see. It's cloudy. You don't know what's happening. You don't have clear understanding. You don't have the light. You don't have good vision. And it leads to a hardness of your heart. That hardness, kind of that analogy from fallow ground to really hard soil that's just resistant to everything. You develop this heart that just does not want to change. I am the captain of my own ship. I'm the ruler of my own life. I'll live my life how I please. And there's a hardness of heart. And you've encountered people and so have I living in that lost life living in that wayward life living without Christ still in Adam that they just say don't talk to me about this there's a hardness of heart defense shields are up in full force this is not to be us so if you're here this morning and you call yourself a follower of Christ you say my identity is in Christ but there's a hardness of heart to all of these things that's not good that means you're not a mature Christian. You're not walking as you should. That hardness of heart does not characterize the new life. It characterizes the old life. The aimless, pointless thinking does not characterize the new life, but it characterizes the old life. When you think about the hardness of heart, think about a calcium deposit. You have a bone, a bone breaks, something of this nature. Calcium builds up. It makes the bone even stronger. At least that's what they say. I don't want to find out. A hardness. Aimless, pointless thinking for so long, you're just going through life. Life doesn't mean anything. There, I'm just here. I'm a cosmic accident. There is no purpose in life. And all of a sudden, your, your understanding is just darkened. You don't, this is just meaningless. You're depressed. It's vanity. It's all worthless. And all of a sudden, your heart just becomes hardened over and over and over again. And this is why, listen to me, please. This is why if the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, you don't reject that conviction of sin. You embrace that conviction of sin. You repent of your sin and you turn into Christ and into his word because the more you reject that conviction of sin, the more you push away against that, the more your heart is just hardened against the things of the gospel and living the mature Christian life. And what does that hardness of heart lead to? It leads to a callousness of conscience. It says they become calloused. They have a hard heart. They become calloused. Their, their conscience just doesn't even really convict them anymore. There's no shame. They just do whatever they want. 
And this is the problem with the hedonistic dilemma. You engage in a sinful activity and it's new and it's exciting because it's new and it brings you a momentary fleeting uh, moment of pleasure. And so you engage in that. But then the next time you engage in that same level of sin, it doesn't bring the same excitement because it's no longer new. You've already done it. So what do you do? You start down this trail and you go, I got to do something new. The new brings more excitement, but it's even darker and it's deeper, but then it doesn't continue to bring that excitement. So then you move over just to get the same level that you used to have have way over here, you keep moving farther and farther into the darkness of sin until your heart is hardened, your conscience is callous, and next thing you know, you're greedy. You are greedy for all forms of impurity. It is the downward trajectory of sinfulness. The promise of hedonistic road to lasting pleasure finds its destination at the cul-de-sac of despair. You land there and you go, this is it. This is worthless. But then you turn around and look how far you slid to get to the point where you realize it's all about despair and destruction. We see it. We see it in our friends. We see it in our family. We see it in ourselves. I hate sin. I hate what sin does to other people. I hate the lies that sin tells when it tells us that it's going to be pleasurable and fun and it deceives us. And there's really empty promises behind it. I hate that sin kills and destroys through its deception. And I hate the fact that sin tempts us so much that we are yet still enticed by it. Aimless, pointless thinking will lead you down that road. If you want to be a mature follower of Christ, you have to be very intentional in your thought processes. You have to be wise in your thinking. You have to understand what's happening in the world inside yourself with temptation, and you have to make war against your own sin. Spiritual growth is learning to hate our sin more and love our Savior more. Callous, you don't feel pain. It ceases to bother us that we have embraced sin. This can affect a Christian or a non-Christian. You can even see Christians who decide, oh, I'm going to embrace this. And all of a sudden, it's not, it's not bad to them anymore. They do it publicly. They do it openly. They begin to celebrate in their sin. The things that we once wouldn't do, we begin to accept. We begin to laugh at. We begin to acknowledge. Then we begin to embrace. And before long, we are happy to let everybody know that we are doing it. This is the Lord giving us over to our desires and to our sin. So when you are tempted and when you fall and when you are convicted then that conviction you repent quickly you fall on your knees you thank the Lord for the conviction that you felt and if you're here and you're sinning and you feel no conviction if you do whatever you please and there is no conviction that's a characteristic of the old way not the new way so if you can sin and experience no conviction whatsoever I would challenge you and say to you are you sure you're a follower of Christ because once you say, I'm putting off the old, I'm putting on the new, and the Holy Spirit lives within you, the Holy Spirit then says, I will have no part of this. You should not do this. You should feel guilty and ashamed of what you're doing. So if you're here and you do what? I do whatever I please. It doesn't bother me at all. I have fun in it. I celebrate it. Then brother or sister, you are either really far down the road of being backslidden or you were never saved to begin with. I fear for you. I fear for your well-being, your trajectory of life. What happens in all of this? It leads to reckless behavior. 
They have become callous. They have given themselves up to sensuality, obsessed sexually. Does that describe our culture to you? Obsessed sexually. It's everywhere. It's all you can think about. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. You name it, if it's evil, if it's wicked, they're after it, they want it. That's the old person. So here's a summary of the trajectory of sin. It talks about aimless thinking in verse 17, the darkness of understanding in verse 18, the hardness of your heart in verse 18, the callousness of your conscience in verse 19, and the reckless behavior that it leads to in verse 19. This is actually the trajectory that we see in Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3. Uh, you see it in Romans 1, 18 through 31. And in summary, we have it right here in just a few verses, 17, 18, and 19. So evaluate your own life. Do you have purposeful thinking or are you just wandering through this life? If your thinking is aimless and pointless, then brother or sister, you need to work on that in order to be a true follower of Christ, to be a mature disciple of Christ. We think about things differently. We recognize the flesh that tempts us. We recognize things for what they are. We know we have to renew our minds with the reading of the Bible. We need to be around fellow believers. We're smart in thinking this way. We're no longer just pointlessly, aimlessly wandering through and following the crowds. Do you understand who you are? Your identity in Christ. Do you understand that there was an old self and you must reject that old self and there's a new self and you must embrace the new self? Do you have purpose in life? Do you have a sensitive conscience that convicts you? Or have you dulled that conscience? And if you're here and you have done so many things for so long that your conscience is dulled, my request to you today would be for you to pray to God to say, God, make my conscience more sensitive and make me more responsive to it. May I feel convicted when I do things. And when I feel convicted, may I be quick to repent. May I be humble in my actions. May I not be prideful and arrogant with a wall of hard heartedness and stubbornness to resist what you want from me. But may I recognize that you are truth and follow you. That should be our prayer. That should be our prayer to all of us. Lord, help us at the words that we use and the actions that we say and the love that we show and the kindness that we demonstrate. Be more sensitive to your spirit so that your spirit leads us. I know my flesh is fallen. I know that I am not oriented in the way I need to be all the time. So Lord, your spirit convicts me. May I be sensitive to it. Are you greedy for sin? It starts slow, but that destination to destruction picks up speed quickly. And sin will always keep you longer than you want to stay and it will always cost you more than you want to pay. Think about Justin Ohio, the opioid addiction. Think about uses of ADHD medication like Adderall. N nobody, I don't think, started out with an opioid addiction. Maybe there are some, but there are many who didn't start out with an addiction to it that said, I really want to be addicted to drugs and have an overdose and die. That's my lifelong goal. I want to do that. A lot of it starts out with pain medication that they're taking for pain and then there's an addiction that develops to it and all of a sudden you just keep taking it and next thing you know, there's overdoses. You say, is this really a big deal? Well, just in Ohio alone, there's two different websites I looked at this morning. One says 3,613 deaths in 2016. 
Wentz said 4,000, the Washington Post, 4,329 people died from overdose of opioids in 2016 alone, which is triple what happened in 2010 and only second to West Virginia as being the worst in the country. That's in Ohio, it's where we live. That approximately 4,000 people died from overdoses of the abuse of drugs. Do you think they started out saying, that's where I wanna be? You look at other things, it's, it's all sin. All sin starts out with some noble intention in our mind of pleasure or something, and then it leads down this road to despair of deceiving us so we find out that Satan is the father of lies and has empty promises just like the word of God says. So we must be wise and recognize our temptation. This temptation is false. This is a lie of the devil. Whatever temptation it is, it is a deceptive lie of the devil trying to intrigue me to go down a road I don't need to go down. God, would you... Light with no darkness in him. Truth, the very definition of love. God, would you show me what the right way is? That should be our response. It's the old self. Our text continues here and talks to us about the new self in verses 20 through 24. He tells us here, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Now, notice it doesn't say learned from Christ, but it says learned Christ. What does it mean to learn Christ? Christ. That's, a, that's an odd description here. Learned Christ. It's the relationship that we have with Christ. It's not that we learned from him. It's that we learned Christ. We have learned that Christ is truth, that Christ is love. As we learn these things, we develop a relationship. We walk through daily life with him. And this is how a mature believer follows this. You walk through life, you learn more about God, you read his word, you read theology books, you dig deep into knowing who God is and who you are and how you're to live this life. And the more you learn about this, you also have a relationship of decisions that you make, conviction that you respond to, loving others, seeing God use you, seeing the Holy Spirit actually use you to encourage somebody else. And that brings a joy and an excitement in your life. And you say, I want to do more of that and learning that relationship, learning how you can be used by God for eternal purposes. You then learn Christ and you learn to trust Christ. And the more you learn to trust Christ and not trust the world and not trust the devil and not believe the lies, the more spiritually mature you are. It goes back to our thinking. We all struggle with this. This is how you learn Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him. There's actually no preposition in there. Some would say and take this that you've heard him. I perhaps heard him through his word. Others, they translate this, learned about him because that just kind of makes more sense as you've heard about him. And then it says truth is in Jesus. And when we look at this, we see at least in the ESV translation, it says as the truth is in Jesus, but the the, the definite article is not there in the original text. So it's really saying to us, truth is Jesus. And Paul using the word Jesus here should draw our attention to it. He's not just using it because he used Christ previously and he needs to transition for a variation in his writing as some of us might do. He could use he or him or another pronoun at that point, but he actually says Jesus here. Truth is Jesus. Jesus is the truth. Jesus said to us, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And we need to learn that the truth is in Jesus. And Paul sets up a contrast here, not just between the old and the new, but he uses that word truth. And then later on, he uses that deceitful desires in verse 22, as he talks about our former life. And so you have the truth of Christ and you have the deceitful desires of the former life. Which do you choose? 
Isn't it odd that it's so hard for us to live a life that honors and glorifies God when you look at it on paper and you say, I can follow the deceitful desires of my old self or I can follow the truth that is in Jesus. Which one do I choose? I choose truth. I'm smart. I'm educated. I know what's right. I choose truth over deceit. But then as I live my life, there's such a strong gravitational pull for me to follow into that old selfly deceitful desires because the devil is good at what he does. Our flesh is prone to want to embrace those things. So we don't wander aimlessly through this life. We are intentional and strategic to set up good safeguards where we need them, not legalistically, but wisely, to lean into the word, to lean into Christ. So what do we do here? There's some themes that run through this. Verse 22, it tells us, Assuming you've heard about him, you were taught about him as the truth is in Jesus, verse 22, to put off your old self. So what's some practical application? With this put off your old self, it reads, it's an infinitive, to put off your old self, but it reads as though that's something we should continue to do. But theologically, we know that's already happened. And this infinitive is actually an aorist infinitive. So it's a past action that's happened. So when I repented of my sins, put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then I was buried in the waters of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life, identified with Christ at that moment in time, then that old self died. That old self was put away. That old self was over. So that's already happened. I don't need to wake up every morning and say, I got to put away my old self. My old self has been buried, but there's some residual impact of that that we often talk about in scripture called the flesh. It's those fleshly residual temptations that we're not fully glorified yet. So as we live through this life, we talk about the flesh or we talk about our sin nature or we talk about these things. It's the leftover residual aspect. It's been put to death. It's as good as it's already dead, but I have this draw, this temptation to do wrong things. And this tells us that we should put off the old. So one thing of being spiritually mature is that I recognize that old flesh for what it is. I recognize the temptation of aimless, pointless thinking, of darkness, of understanding, of hardness of heart. I recognize it makes me callous in my conscience and leads to reckless living. So I'm wise and putting it off. No, I reject you, old flesh. I'm not having anything to do with the old nature. Here's an application for you. When it comes to you, recognize that's not who you are anymore. Your identity is no longer in Adam, but your identity is in Christ. And that old person is not you. That's not who you are by the grace of God. I reject that old person. In the words of Anna and Elsa, let it go. <laughs> that, that song's actually flipped. If you, if you read that song, she's talking about embracing some of those sinful natures in some sense. But we're not to do that. She's talking about the, I'm going to let them see who I really am. Let it go, Anna. And I'll say, get rid of it. Let it go. Be a new creation in Christ. It's much better. It's not so cold. It's good. Although I guess hell's hot, so maybe that's the wrong way to think about this. Anyway, we're moving on. I have no clue where I'm in my notes. It doesn't matter. There's a contrast that we see. The old self we reject. The new self we embrace. What's the old self? It's the former manner of life. It's not the new. The new is created after the likeness of God is created and it's in the likeness. That should harken back to Genesis for you. The old is corrupt. The new is holy, holiness, purity, righteousness. The old is deceitful. The new is true. 
So then we move to the second application in this section, right here in our text. We put off the old, which belongs to your former manner of life, corrupt through deceitful desires. And it says in verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit. Now this is an infinitive as well, but it's present tense. It's not aorist tense. And as we look at this, it says to renewed in the spirit of our minds. We see the word spirit and we think, should that be Holy Spirit? But there's the, the, the genitive, the possessive there of the minds. And the Holy Spirit is not the spirit of our mind. So it's talking about that general ethos here of our mind. We must renew our thinking. We must renew our mind. We must renew how we look at the Christian life. So you want to be a spiritually mature believer in Christ. Renew your mind. And if you're going to renew your mind, and that renewing of the mind is a present activity, something that you have to do now, then you have to constantly renew your mind. Does that make sense to you? Let me say this to you. There is no one in this room who is beyond needing to renew their mind daily. I don't care how much you know about the Bible. I don't care how much you think you're in good standing. If you think you have it taken care of, then that is pride ready to come before the fall. So if you came to Cedarville and you think, I'm going to get the magic pill that makes me holy, there's not one. There's not one. The thing that makes us a mature follower of Christ is that we are smart enough to know that our flesh and the residual old nature is still there. So I wake up every morning and I read my Bible. And I ask God to help me live a life that's glorifying to him. And I still fail miserably at it on most days. And I wake up the next morning because the battle's not over and I read my Bible and I ask the Lord to help me live a life that's glorifying to him. And when I fail and the spirit convicts me, I ask for God to forgive me and repent of my sin. I try to turn and do what I should with him. And I wake up the next morning and I read my Bible and I ask the Lord to help me live a life that glorifies him. And if I fail miserably that day, I get on my knees and say, God, forgive me. And I get up the next morning and what do I do? I read my Bible and I ask the Lord to help me live a life that glorifies him. And that's every day to your dead. You're not going to learn it all and be done with it. You're going to have to read your Bible every single day and ask the Lord to help you grow in your relationship with him. So I heard a phrase recently that stuck with me. So I want it to stick with you too. No Bible, no breakfast. Now, this is not like a, a, a fasting thing that I'm endorsing here. I, I want you eat breakfast if you want to eat breakfast. I don't care. Don't eat breakfast if you don't want to eat breakfast, but read your Bible either way. And if you haven't read your Bible, don't eat breakfast because Bible is more important than breakfast. Choose one, choose the Bible. I'm going to eat my breakfast. I'm hungry. I hope it's you're spiritually much more malnourished than you are physically. Read your Bible. Okay, well, I'll take my Bible with me. I'll eat Bible and breakfast at the same time. That's fine. That's a good compromise. We'll live with that. But no Bible, no breakfast. You don't understand how hungry I am when I get up in the morning. You don't understand how depraved you are spiritually when you wake up in the morning. No Bible, no breakfast. All right. We have to put on the new, verse 24. It says in verse 23, renew the spirits of our minds. And then in verse 24, and to put on the new self, Created, created by God after the likeness of God, remind you of Genesis, into true righteousness and holiness. So we have this new self that we need to embrace. So what's your application? You reject the old, you renew your minds daily, you embrace the new. You have been given a new self. You have been given a new identity. Your identity is in Christ. Now live it out. 
a caterpillar goes into this cocoon and turns into this beautiful butterfly. When it turns into this beautiful butterfly and you let the caterpillar go, do you think the caterpillar is thinking in his mind, the butterfly at that point, I really wish I was just a caterpillar and couldn't fly? You think the caterpillar flies up into the air and looks down at the ground where it used to wander around and goes, hmm, I missed that. What about a tadpole? Think about changing your allegiance. So you used to be on one team, Team Adam, and you have changed your allegiance and you are now on a new team, Team Christ. If you're on the new team, do you walk out onto the field to play with the old jersey? No, it's the analogy scriptures. Take off your old clothes, put them aside, put on your new clothes. If you're in prison and you're in jail and you have inmate clothes and you get out of jail, when you get out of jail, do you get out of jail and you go, man, I really miss my inmate clothes. I want to put them back on and hang out for them in a while. I want to go to the mall with my inmate clothes on. That would be really fun. Everybody would look at me and go, how stylish is he or she with the inmate clothes on? No, you, I want to get rid of those. I don't ever want to see those again. They're done. If you've been really sick, and you wore something, you had the flu, and it was a really bad case of cedar plague or whatever it might be, you want to get those clothes off and wash those clothes, and I want, to, I want to get a shower, I want to feel good, I want to feel new, I want to feel refreshed, and that's the imagery that he's giving us here. Get rid of the old. Embrace the new. You have a new identity in Christ. We need to make sure that we embrace it. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We're created in Christ Jesus for what? In true righteousness and holiness, we will begin to be like God. We'll imitate God. That's what we're supposed to do. So what's your application? Here's a slide for you with all of it on there. The application then, I've said it many times, reject the old self, renew our minds daily, embrace the new self. You have already received the new self, the old self is already dead. So daily life to be a spiritually mature believer in Christ, reject that old self. That's not you anymore if you are a follower of Christ. Embrace the new. What are these desires to read theology books rather than fiction or watch Netflix? Embrace the new. Learn more about God. The desire to memorize scripture. Embrace it while it's there. Do it. Meditate on God's word. Memorize scripture. Take advantage of your 1,000 days at Cedarville to build great relationships and have good conversations. And here's the lie the devil wants you to believe. The devil wants you to believe the lie that you're the only one failing, that you're the only one with a problem, that you're the only one that is messed up in some way. And the truth of the matter is that every one of us has this old self that has been put to death, but there are residual effects of our flesh that live in every one of us that we are all making war against. So if I make war by myself against everything, that's just, that's just an isolated battle and it's lonely and it's hard. But if we make war together, if we say it's okay to have temptation, it's okay to be able to have problems, Problems, but resist them. Don't give in to them. Don't embrace them. Don't make peace with them. Make war with them. Put them to death by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as a community, we say, it's all right to be there. Don't stay there. Resist that temptation. We lock arms together and we, as a university, say we will make war against our sin. We will make war against the flesh. All of us together, working together, encouraging one another to make war. That's what this place is supposed to be about.
make war with one another. I'm tempted. Tell a brother, hey man, I need you to pray for me. I'm really tempted. I need you to hold me accountable. This temptation is hard right now and I'm not sure I can resist it. But if I tell you and you pray for me and you hold me accountable, I'm gonna be more likely to resist it. And I wanna make war against my own flesh and I wanna live a life that glorifies God. Reject the old self. Renew our minds daily. Embrace the new self. Eugene Peterson passed away not too long ago. He has a version of the Bible he's written. It's called The Message. It's kind of a a paraphrase. And I read it from time to time. I read the, the literal translations as well. I preach from a more literal translation, but sometimes it's helpful. I read this and I thought, you know what, that that, that may be helpful. Here's what he says about these verses. This is his translation of what the text is saying to us. And so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God, and they've lost touch not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. But that's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have an excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Renewed thinking for renewed living. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we fail so often. We need the power of your Holy Spirit. We are tempted frequently. We need to reject our old self. Lord, help us to renew our minds daily in your word, through fellowship with you, through attendance in your local church, through good brothers and sisters in authentic, genuine Christian community. Help us to embrace who you say we are, who we really are in Christ that we may live a life that reflects you, created by you in your likeness of holiness and righteousness, not for our glory, but for your glory and the good of others. In the name of Jesus, I pray through the power of the Spirit. Amen. And you are dismissed.